Today's guest is Ian Armstrong. Ian is a Kung Fu master, Qigong master, I think he'd call himself that. And he is the lineage holder of the Namyang Kung Fu lineage, which I thought was really interesting. And so my friends here in Thailand who study with him uh, in his retreat center in Pai, Thailand, said he was someone I had to meet. And I'm glad I did. He was an interesting guy and definitely had, I don't think he'd use the word Zen, but a Zen-like presence about him. Although we did speak about Zen Buddhism. Buddhism and Taoism and Confucianism and various aspects of Chinese culture. We had a very, it was a great conversation to speak with someone who I don't know his competence levels in his work directly. I will probably train at his school at some point while I'm here, but he definitely had an air about him, which, and speaks, yeah, interesting guy. Anyway, you'll, you'll listen to it. I was particularly interested in his take on meridians and fascia. If you caught my other podcasts with people who knew about Chinese medicine and Qigong, which I've always found so interesting, like the Chinese take on stuff, because like Chinese medicine, for instance, is so scientific in its feel and its classifications and its precision. But it's not science because the assumptions of Chinese medicine and Qigong and Kung Fu and all this stuff isn't arrived at through the scientific method, like the understanding of qi and meridians and stuff. It doesn't mean it's not useful, but that's why I kind of ask everyone from this world about their take on it. And I really liked his. And now I never, I never considered that fascia and meridians tied together. Anyway, I'm not going to give away what's in this conversation. If you hear background noise right now, it's because I'm still in Thailand at my friend's place in their very Thai home, surrounded by rice fields. There's a mountain and there's lots of bugs and animals everywhere. And also, um, in the interview itself, uh, there was some noise. I, I made the personal poor call of, of having us do it in his office. I didn't realize there was construction right outside. And I also didn't know that he had many children who were coming in and out of the office while we were doing this. So you, you, we'll try to cut that out, but I think you'll probably hear them outside playing and stuff, such as life, real sounds. And yeah, right now you're listening to episode 073, Ian Armstrong, Kung Fu, Qigong, Bend, Not Break. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, part of the Gotham Podcast Studio Network in New York, New York. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate it wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so we're here in your office in a Kung Fu retreat up yeah. in Pai, Thailand. Um, and we're connected by my good friend, Jen, uh, who I know works with you. So yeah. She says you were someone I had to meet. Yeah. Um, yeah. She told me a little bit about you, but I understand, uh, well, obviously, you have this retreat center here. Yeah. And uh, you're part of this lineage that I was very interested in yeah. uh, going back to China. And if you could say yeah. a little bit about yourself and what you're doing here, that'd be great. Okay, so, yeah, I'm Ian Armstrong. And... I run the, the Kung Fu retreat here. Um, this was kind of like the first, the world's first Kung Fu retreat, um, which we set up here in Bai, starting in 2007. So before coming here, I was two times world Kung Fu champion. And, and is that uh, like competitive, like Wushu or... I don't, uh, know, I don't know. Traditional okay. Kung Fu. Gotcha. Yeah. So doing the routines in traditional Kung Fu rather than modern. Gotcha. Uh, so I won for weapons in 1993 and freehand in 2004. Mm -hmm. And been studying Kung Fu since 1981. Mm -hmm. Yeah, started in 1981. Before that, I was a boxer. Mm. And most of my uh, key training 
was done in Singapore. Mm -hmm. You're from the UK though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah I'm from the UK. Um, I don't know whether people can tell from my accent or whether they can't. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I think it gets a bit confused in Australian, but. Yeah, well, I think for us yeah. Americans, everything sounds like British if we're not Yeah. <laughs> we mix them all up. No, it's British. Um, come from the, the southern edge of London. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was a big, uh, a big thing. My first trip to Singapore was 1987. Mm -hmm. So then I've been training with uh, one of the Chinese guys from Nanyang, London. And... Uh, yeah, in those days, right, it was quite a big deal going out mm -hmm. to, uh, to Asia to train. And then the, the group that I trained with, Nam Yang Pugilistic mm -hmm. Association, uh, we started in 1954 okay. in Singapore. And the founder uh, it had come from China. Mm -hmm. So... Singapore, the majority of the Singapore population are Chinese. So mm -hmm. the old guys, they were all kind of ethnic Chinese mm -hmm. um, living in Singapore. Master Ung was born in Fujian Province, China in 1924. Okay, and he was your teacher? No, oh. uh, he was the one who started the Gotcha. Uh, and so he lived right through the Japanese occupation of China mm -hmm. in the period of the Second World War. And then after that, yeah, did, when the Japanese withdrew, you got the, the Civil War mm -hmm. in China and he fought in the Nationalist Army. And then when they were pushed out of uh, China, he went to Singapore, set up Instead in Singapore. Instead of Taiwan? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, because they they had family mm -hmm. and business in Singapore, and he set up our club uh, in 1954, and it's been going ever since. He died in 1984, and was succeeded by my teacher, his master Tan So Tin, mm -hmm. uh, and very sadly he died just uh, about three and a half weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So, I'm the third generation of Nam Yang, gotcha. third generation master, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if I'm using the right terminology, but you're like a, a holder of this lineage, like yes, this is yes. passed on and you're the one who yeah. has this whole tradition of... Yeah. Yeah. So, I was the first disciple student of Master Tang, mm -hmm. so I did the kind of initiation by Shu, uh, under him in 1994. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, we're a family. We've got a big extended Kung Fu family. Mm -hmm. um, so, some of Master Tan's generation are still alive mm -hmm. in Singapore. Um, and as well as me, there's lots of other um, students of Master Tan. Mm -hmm. But I was the most senior one. That was the first one. Yeah. Gotcha. And I'm, I'm curious how this works. I mean, I don't know a ton about Kung Fu. I did box and I'm interested in the martial side, but yeah. uh, as far as like the, the word that peaked for me was like lineage, like this, like this, like yeah. uh, special knowledge that's being passed. Like, how is it that someone is chosen? Is it just the most senior? Or is it the one who's willing to take it on? Or 
So it reminds me of like yeah. Jedi stuff. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. It, it uh, what we seek to do is to continue our family mm-hmm. and continue our teachings because there's a great deal in the in the teachings which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit mm-hmm. and we really don't want them to die mm-hmm. and the so it's there's a big emphasis on passing it on to the next generation mm-hmm. but obviously we want to kind of safeguard the fact that people are good enough to to pass it on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the teach, teacher will work on the next generation. Who are mm-hmm. the people that are they going to pass it on? And they're the kind of the kind of closest students. And the the, the, the yeah, each teacher will entrust the next set of teachers mm-hmm. to carry on the art, carry on the lineage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it works like a family. So if the teacher is the father, then the teacher's teacher is the grandfather. Hence you get master, grandmaster, great-grandmaster. Uh-huh. And of the teacher students, you can kind of have the elder brother and then the, mm-hmm. the next one down, yeah. you have this seniority thing, which in Asian families is always very important. This, mm-hmm. uh, you know, your position in the family, are you the older brother, are you the younger brother, younger sister? Um, so it's the job of the master to kind of safeguard the art and regulate the art and mm-hmm. make sure that they're basically quality control. Mm-hmm. So something, this is somewhere where <clears throat> things like Kung Fu and Qi Kung are very, very different from, say, yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I remember speaking to a friend who's a yoga teacher and about the kind of commercialization of yoga and the subsequent dilution. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yoga is uh, really a kind of very spiritual practice, a meditative practice for uh Yeah, spiritual enlightenment. And the the physical side of yoga really is intended to prepare you for the meditation, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of still the mind and get you in that right mental frame. Well now, you know, a lot of a lot of yoga schools are little more than a aerobic studio. Yeah. Actually I know in yoga teacher trainings now they're actually teaching how to promote yourself on Instagram as part of their curriculum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which maybe is necessary on some level, mm. but I can see the dilution as well. Yeah. And I said to my friend, well, you know, who, in, in yoga, you know, who, who is the overall authority? Who, you know, which people? Mm-hmm. I said, well, what do you mean authority? You know, they don't have authorities, you know, mm-hmm. everybody just does what they want to do. And that is totally different to, to, Kung Fu and Chi Kung. Mm-hmm. It's the whole point, the whole function of the master is to say, this is the right way mm-hmm. and this is the wrong way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you want us to endorse you, you've got to do it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean you don't advertise on Instagram because nowadays mm-hmm. you, you have to. 
but it's to say, well, are you doing the real art? Mm. Are you worth our, you know, are you worthy of carrying on our name or yeah. are you not? So, yeah. Yeah, have you found that? I mean, I don't think we want to go too deep into this, but uh, obviously on the business side, one of the reasons why uh, maybe the bar has lowered in yoga, for instance, mm. is that most schools make their money by training teachers. So they say if someone's not good enough, they don't get the money or they get less money. So like that's like a, perhaps an issue of like why that path has been taken in yeah. that community. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's a thing that, you know, because when you're sharing the way that it's passed on, I was like, well, it's kind of maybe hard to scale that way or spread this yeah. teaching when the bar is so high. Tom, we're, ga- we're having a, a special talk. <laughs> Sorry about that. No worries. Um, remember what I was saying so maybe that's why we're still really small because we we're very insistent on maintaining the standards Mm -hmm. we are trying to gradually expand Uh, you can still I think uh, run 200 hour teacher training courses Mm -hmm. and do a really good job and produce good teachers so long as those teachers realize that it's actually this is a life's work Mm -hmm. and you've got to really devote your life to this practice and Mm -hmm. constantly strive to get better so everybody has to start somewhere Mm -hmm. but in terms of saying well what is um what is yoga? What is it all about? Uh, in our terms, you know, in our case, what is Kung Fu? What is it all about? Uh, he, somebody needs to maintain the standard. Mm-hmm. And if it becomes little more than uh, a workout, then it's gone. It's gone wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to step in and say, no, it's, this isn't, this isn't why I need to fix this. So can you share a bit about like what it, what it is then? Because um, I've studied different martial arts, but I know the, even the term Kung Fu is, pro- is used very widely. Yeah. And, um, and I know you want to speak about the Qigong uh, Kung Fu relationship. Can you speak a little on that? Yeah. Kung Fu is a difficult thing to define. The term means hard work over a long time. Sustained effort, or more precisely, the product of hard work over a long mm. time. So anything which you have to work hard at in order to achieve is kung fu. Mm-hmm. So in the actual Chinese terms, uh, cooking is a form of kung fu mm-hmm. because you have to work hard for years to be a master chef. In Western terms, Kung Fu generally means Chinese martial arts. Mm. Um, so that's usually where the where the definition is. It's it it's a kind of catch-all term, mm. Chinese martial arts and related arts, distinguishing them from, say, Japanese or Thai or Korean. Mm-hmm. So with, with the Japanese martial arts, you tend to call each one by an individual name. You've got judo, you've got jiu-jitsu, yeah. karate. 
in China, there's just so many yeah. that uh, it's mind-bogglingly confusing. Mm. You know, I mean, maybe maybe ten thousand, maybe a hundred thousand, depending where you draw the lines. Mm. China's got a lot of people, yeah. a lot of remote <laughs> areas. Uh, so when we say kung fu, we're meaning Chinese martial arts. Yeah, I think uh, I think. Well, I came to Thailand actually to study with Mantak Chia. Yeah, who I'm sure yeah. you're, uh, you're familiar with. Um, I think in his books he coined the term sexual kung fu. Yeah, which was yeah. maybe laughed at at one point, but uh, yeah, it's understood like sexual cultivation practice. Yeah, it's that's right. It's uh, a practice that you develop over time. Therefore, mm-hmm. the, the term kung fu is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Similarly, Qigong is a form of Kung Fu because it's something you have to work on, you have to study, you have to experience, you have to practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there is a lot of overlap between Kung Fu and Qigong mm-hmm. because uh, the Kung, Kung Fu has been... Well, Kung Fu was developed in China, mm-hmm. so it's all based around what we could call Chinese traditional science that draws on, you know, all the ideas of Chinese medicine, qi circulation around the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whereas modern Western sport draws a lot on kind of modern sports science, mm-hmm. uh, Kung Fu draws on traditional Chinese science, and qi keeps coming into that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the Qi is the basis of Feng Shui. I mean, Feng Shui is really about how the Qi circulates in your, in your home. Um, Chinese medicine is about how the Qi circulates in your body. Mm. So, and Qi is the energy that fuels Kung Fu. Mm. So, and actually each, you have a lot of different branches of Qi Kung. Mm. So, we focus on uh, partly on chicken for health, so to keep the body in good shape, keep the mind, the breath in good shape, so that we're fit enough to practice. And then also on the martial chicken for um, strengthening, developing the body, uh, being able to absorb stronger blows, being able to deliver stronger blows. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas other people, Maybe they go into the kind of uh, the medical side of qigong, and they're looking more at um, using it as a type of Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned Mang Tak Chia. Obviously, his uh, one of his specialisms is the sort of the, the Taoist sexual qigong practices. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's lots of it's such a broad thing. There's lots of different mm-hmm. specialisms. Yeah. yeah. What What do you specialize in here? Like, I, do you go into like the Taoist sexuality type stuff? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that um, I have a, a reasonable knowledge of, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not something that we teach here. And. It's not something that I particularly want to teach here because mm-hmm. when you start teaching that, uh, it kind of changes the, the atmosphere, the mm-hmm. tone of the place. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, it's, it's a very good thing to do. It's something that I'm very much in favour of. But if we start thinking marketing for sexual qigong, then it's kind of sets an idea in people's heads that this is somewhere that you come if you want sex. Hmm. Uh, and I think the, the whole atmosphere of the place would change. Mm-hmm. And so I'm quite happy to leave that to Mantak Chia. Gotcha. It's not that far away from us. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I want people to come here intending seriously to work on themselves uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, mm-hmm. to develop, develop the body, develop the mind. Um, but I think if there's this too much, you know, idea of well, I'm looking to hook up with someone for sex, then it kind of, kind of distracts from what we're really about. Yeah, I get that. Uh, so, whilst I, I do endorse the the practice, I'm quite happy to to say to people go to go to Mantech to to, mm-hmm. to learn that. Yeah. So can you uh, run us through like kind of what someone experiences, maybe their journey through studying with you, studying yeah. from your branch? Uh, well, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting uh, question. Kung Fu began with the monk Bodhidharma from India, who was appointed head monk at the Shaolin Temple. Mm-hmm. And it was him who started to teach Sikun Kung Fu to the monks. Mm-hmm. And question, why teach the monks this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bodhidharma was also the founder of Zen Buddhism, which mm-hmm. is the Buddhism that really uh, focuses on the mind. Mm-hmm. And in Buddhism, we, we, we study the mind, and the mind is a, a, a terribly flawed uh, device. Mm-hmm. The human mind is really a bit of a disaster area. Mm-hmm. And in order to to elevate ourselves, we need to elevate the mind. Mm-hmm. In order to elevate the mind, we need to understand the mind. We need to be able to access the mind. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to change the mind. Well, that's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Uh, people underestimate the significance of the mind-body link. And if you really want to get into your mind, uh, one of the best ways to do it is through the body, mm-hmm. through physical. Um, it kind of brings us back to yoga. Yeah. You know, yoga actually done properly will help you access your mind. Kung fu, very much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we connect left brain, right brain, conscious, subconscious, mm-hmm. head brain, body brain. Um, and start to to really get mind, body, breath to function as a whole. Mm-hmm. 
and that kind of elevates us. Mm-hmm. And if you took, if you look and really take a real overview, you know, where are you going in the end? Mm-hmm. That's kind of where where we're going. Yeah. Uh, so looking to re- reach a higher state of consciousness and ideally you know, a state of enlightenment, mm-hmm. although that's not something that comes easy. Mm-hmm. Also, Kung Fu is something which has history, has its philosophy, has its traditions, it has its culture. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of wisdom in Kung Fu and we're mm-hmm. trying to, pass that on we're trying to transmit the the wisdom of kung fu to mm-hmm. the people that we have now we found that the best way to do this is to completely immerse people in their in their study mm-hmm. so that you're not just going to classes or reading about it you're absolutely living it mm-hmm. And that's that is the, the kind of ethos of the retreat here. Mm-hmm. To come somewhere you come to live kung fu. Mm-hmm. So you know you really do eat, sleep, and breathe kung fu. And we try to minimise the distractions mm-hmm. away from that. I mean, obviously, people go into town, people get yeah. online, but you you live here. Uh, you get up six o'clock in the morning, down to start training. So you get to do your qigong at sunrise, mm-hmm. which is the best time to do it. Uh, three and a half hours training with a little break for Chinese tea and a talk on philosophy. And then it's breakfast. And we, we, you see around the grounds where we're doing a lot of work on our organic farm. So we're trying to give people a really, really healthy mm-hmm. diet with as much homegrown food as we can manage. We're not 100% self-sufficient, but we're working hard. Um, Bit of a break, train again, lunch, train again, dinner, and then rest of it in the evening. Mm -hmm. And Kung Fu is not only about yourself, it's also about your interaction with other people. Mm -hmm. So we try to... Have a, an environment in which people socialize, mm-hmm. in which people connect with each other. And that, that human interaction is really important. Um, so the journey here um, is kind of getting back to basics, starting to really kind of know yourself, focusing on yourself, but also building your relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for a lot of people, it, they keep coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, this, is the, this is the interesting thing that I, I hadn't anticipated when we started that we get so many people keep coming back. Because once they, once they experience it, they realize, wow, you know, okay, this is what it was all about. Yeah. yeah. So I know like the demonstrative things like breaking bricks or anything that's not the 
that's not the point, but it's something that maybe draws in a lot of people or for someone who maybe doesn't understand this internal thing you're speaking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you could share a little bit about that, I, I'm curious. Because also, I mean, I, I briefly went to a Qigong school in the States in Austin, mm -hmm. and they actually had levels where the first grade, let's say, was just the the body hardening, can you withstand mm -hmm. blows to all... And what was interesting is, like, I saw... 70 year old women there who yeah. could take a punch to the stomach better yeah. than most men like it's like oh there must be something i mean objectively yeah. there's something yeah, here and then yeah. and then the next level would be like the sexual side and then the third level is far more spiritual but yeah um obviously these yeah can you speak a little bit about like what is it that allows someone to do that uh yeah and how does it tie perhaps to the internal cultivation uh well the you know, if you sum it up in one word, that's chi. chi. Mm -hmm. That's your energy. Generally, we people have very little control of their chi. Mm -hmm. Very little control of their energy. Um, very little control of themselves. By training, we change that. That's the whole point. Um, and then that's a very interesting example because that's quite impressive. If you're getting 70-year-old ladies taking a punch, um, yeah, it's really very good. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not all uh, just kind of energy. Mm -hmm. There's obviously a physical dimension to it as well. But this is something that a lot of people don't understand about Qigong. Um, It's all rooted in Chinese science, Chinese thinking. Mm -hmm. Chinese thinking looks at things as a whole. Mm -hmm. doesn't want to chop them up and compartmentalize mm -hmm. them. Chinese thinking looks at people as a whole. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you study that type of thinking, then a person has their physical aspects, their mental aspects, their energetic aspects, the spiritual aspects, and it's important that you develop them together. And then you get so many Western people saying, I'm not interested in the physical. Yeah, I, I didn't want to be doing the kind mm -hmm. of energetic stuff. Not realizing that if you don't pay attention to the physical, mm -hmm. The energetic stuff won't happen. Mm. Like you're going back to Bodhidharma and the Shaolin Temple. This was mm. this was one of his key messages that you can't ignore the body mm -hmm. because the body is so wound in with the, the the mind, the spirit. You've got to look at the overview. Mm. So when we develop our energy, our chi. Uh, we're looking at developing the meridians, which are the pathways through which the chi flows. Mm -hmm. And those pathways run through the fascia, mm -hmm. the tenderness material in the body. So you have to develop that fascia, that tenderness material, mm -hmm. to facilitate chi flow. And our true strength lies in the fascia. Okay, the fascia. Is, is that what uh, Fung is? Uh, I don't want to be saying the word incorrectly. I, I was taking. Uh... Tai Chi push hands yeah. lessons for someone. He said like there's strength and there's fun. I think I'm, I don't know if I'm saying it wrong. Like being able to like structural strength, like to just withstand someone. Uh, that's slightly different. 
Um, the word could have been Geng or Jing or Fa Jing. Okay. Uh, but there's a number of Chinese terms. Okay. If we slice through the, the kind of the, the linguistics and, mm -hmm. and keep... Yeah. Body mechanics, body structure is mm -hmm. massively important. Uh, but we have a, a, a web of fascia tendons material running through the whole body. It, 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 so that would include the actual tendons, muscle sheaths, bone sheaths, organ mm -hmm. sheaths, all the connective tissue. That's what holds everything together. Mm -hmm. And the meridians tend to run through this material, mm -hmm. through the fascia. So by working on and developing that fascia, we're facilitating better chi flow, so basically mm -hmm. opening the meridians. And at the same time, uh, we're developing that strength that enables us to take a, a blow. Mm -hmm. And so as you say, taking a blow or knocking the end off a brick isn't the ultimate objective mm -hmm. of the Qigong, but it does show that you have achievement mm -hmm. in Qigong. Because if your Qigong's good, then, then you will be able to do this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you're not able to do it, it kind of raises questions. So it's kind of like a, a test metric or something? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and I guess... Uh, you know, ultimately, in, in, the, in the, the true sense, if your development in your qigong, your kung fu is very good, then you will be a healthy, positive person, mm -hmm. be successful in life. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll be a good person. But people will like to see things. People want to. People want to say, "Well, well, give me something that I can see." Mm -hmm. And being a healthy, positive, successful person isn't something you can really do for a demonstration. Right. Uh, on the other hand, if you want to demonstrate your achievement in cheeking, and you say you wash your face in broken glass and mm -hmm. uh, bend a spear on your throat, then it's like, okay, yeah, now I've got it. That's vision. Yeah. yeah. Is it always tied to? Because I'm thinking, um, like the Marine Corps does body hardening drills, which I think are not that different than some of like the, you know, the, I don't know, if the, like Iron Shirt stuff mm -hmm. I've seen. Like they see, I don't know, maybe they're they're very different, but mechanically they seem the same. I'd imagine there's probably many people who do body hardening in yeah. the military who maybe don't have any of the internal benefits. Like they don't necessarily line up. Right, it's maybe possible to fake the or like get the demonstrative effect without the uh, internal effect. Well, part of how we would see it is that <clears throat> uh, even if you don't understand about chi, mm -hmm. if you exercise well, you will be developing your chi. Mm -hmm. It's just that. In Western terms, maybe you use different different words. Okay. So, um, you take for example uh, a gymnast. Gymnasts have really well developed bodies. They have great posture, and they have this kind of elastic, explosive strength, which is exactly what we try to develop in kung fu. And you know, when I look at a, 
they're gymnasts. You might, and my reckoning is that their chi flow will be really good. Mm-hmm. And they're not practicing as they see it, chi kung, mm-hmm. but they are practicing things which really benefit the chi flow. Mm-hmm. If you take your guys in the Marine Corps, then a lot of what they're doing may well be benefiting their chi flow. Mm-hmm. It's just that they don't use that word. In chi, you can actually interpret chi as breath, mm-hmm. as air, gas, oxygen, but anything which uh, develops your breathing technically is chi kung. Mm-hmm. Um, so through the, the kind of practice that those guys put in, they probably are benefiting in chi a lot. Um, having said that out, out of interest uh, there's different approaches to body toughening mm-hmm. and the the western way is often all about hardening mm-hmm. whereas the, the Chinese way if it's done to, in the deeper sense is about being pliable Mm-hmm. being flexible so if we take your kind of classic terrorist thinking mm-hmm. uh, take a brick okay. wow that's pretty hard tough and strong you look at it and wow, yeah but we know for sure that if you hit the end of it sharply It'll crack in half. So maybe it's not that strong after all. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you take a hard rubber brick, Mm -hmm. that has a degree of flexibility and bend. And you could hit that brick all day. And doesn't matter how good your martial arts is, it's not going to break. It's going to bounce every time. So, actually, which one's stronger? And if you may have noticed that in one of the favourite themes in Chinese artwork is the bamboo. Mm-hmm. And you get these kind of black watercolour paintings of bamboo. And bamboo is supposed to kind of epitomise the towel. Mm-hmm. So... It's incredibly strong, but it's also incredibly light and it's flexible. So when the wind blows, the bamboo sways, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't crack. In a storm, uh, you see trees crack, branches come off, bamboo just sways. And um, so this is your classic terrorist thinking that true strength is adaptable. Mm-hmm. True strength is flexible. So in the uh, kind of kung fu chi kung practice, um, what people often don't understand is that we're not training the body to be hard and rigid, mm-hmm. because if it gets hit hard enough, it will tear, mm-hmm. it will get injured. Uh, rather, we want it to be slightly elastic, mm-hmm. so that a blow is slightly absorbed and then pushed out Mm. and by having the right level of elasticity Mm -hmm. 
um, then we can achieve the, the result. So that may be slightly different to how I do it in the Marine Corps. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I'm actually curious a lot about this fascia stuff because um, from what I understand, even Western medicine didn't really give it much weight until uh, relatively recently. I'm not sure from what I understand. Um, and like, uh, I've actually asked a few other guests on the podcast like about chi movement. And how, like I have a, a friend who's been on who's... Uh, getting his uh, doctorate in Chinese medicine. Yeah. I was asking him, like, how do, how do people know what she is or how do they know where the meridians are? Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what he said, actually. It was a couple of years ago. But you're saying that these, these pathways mm-hmm. are in through the fascia, as far as we know. Yeah. So you could get qi um, in its properties. is very similar to electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could visualize meridians as pathways through the fascia which are conductive of qi, which Mm -hmm. have a high conductivity of qi. So you have this electric-like energy and electrical potentials can move through the body. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. Science doesn't disagree with that. Uh, And inevitably, there are going to be certain routes through the body that mm-hmm. are easier to flow through. And that's how I would describe the mm-hmm. meridians. And by working our bodies in the correct way, we can actually very much increase that conductivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. This is probably the best model of understanding I've heard because like... Um, Let's even even practicing Montauchi is. I mean, maybe it's not his, but like uh, the microcosmic orbit. Yep. I've always felt a blockage in my thoracic spine. I didn't real. I didn't really put it together until recently. But I've also had injuries in that area where I'm yeah. sure my fascia has been knotted up. Like I've pinched. I, I've pinched fascia on my yeah. back. I was like, oh, well, I actually felt less sensation there. Yeah. Um, and I guess those are so obvious connection. Very likely, you have scar tissue mm-hmm. in the fascia, and. Fascia has a grain, like wood has a grain. Mm-hmm. So generally, all the strands run in the same direction. Mm-hmm. When you get scar tissue, they're all kind of knotted together yeah. and tied up. And that substantially reduces the conductivity of the mm-hmm. With a, a great deal of practice over a long time, <clears throat> you can pull the strands straight. It's like untangling a very big ball to yeah. it upstream. Uh, so it's, um, it's kind of good news, it's not, there's no hope. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, scarring in fascia will uh, inhibit chi flow. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it just keeps stretching it. It always keeps stretching it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, so actually, I mean, I, I don't know how related it is, but I had knotted fascia on my left mm-hmm. side. Uh, and it was actually affecting my sensitivity in my left yeah. hand, yeah. which, which you know, goes along with everything you're saying. And then I think, I don't know if it was related, but I actually broke my elbow doing kind of basic martial arts things. Yeah. I, I think everything was knotted so I couldn't hold it together, perhaps. But um, anyway, this is all to say it's changed my entire philosophy of training. Yeah. Like my assumptions were very American, I think, mm-hmm. and like train till failure, go hard. Yeah. And I've been following actually Russian philosophies more of like, 
never training till failure and going for slow volume. I don't, I don't know if there, I was, I'm curious if there are maybe Taoist principles or Kung Fu principles around fitness or that, yeah. that are, yeah, anything you can share? Certainly. Um, take the middle way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't go to extremes. Um, if I sum up our view of, uh, how you should train. Yeah. Here we go. We want our training to support us through our whole life mm-hmm. and keep us healthy in old age, mm-hmm. fit into old age. And if you look at uh, traditional martial arts from Eastern Asia mm-hmm. and also yoga, both of them have that kind of built in. The assumption is that you want to end up being one of those amazing old guys mm-hmm. who can do all this astounding stuff even though they're 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the one I always kind of spring on people, picture your kind of ideal martial arts master. Mm-hmm. And it'll always be different, but it's almost invariably an old person. Mm-hmm. Uh, now if we look at the western approach to sport if you said picture a great sportsman master sportsman you would never picture an old person you would mm-hmm. picture an Olympic athlete mm-hmm. and in the western approach to sport there's an assumption that you will burn out and then you will retire and this will probably happen in the mid thirties. Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of, res- res- you know, pensioned off, and you exercise by maybe throwing darts, lifting pint glasses, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> manipulating a pool cue. Uh, so where did it really get you? Mm-hmm. Now your classic. Uh, Western sporting approaches, you've got to be faster, you've got to be stronger, you've got to go longer, you've got to jump higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you push yourself to extremes, which is exactly what uh, terrorism cautions against. Mm-hmm. You concentrate on your external body, particularly your muscular system. You, you, they also do a lot of cardiovascular, but there's a lot of development of muscle. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, that it, the muscle is often developed in conjunction with fascia. You can't mm-hmm. do it any other way. But sometimes but at the expense of fascia, right? Sometimes at the expense of fascia. And uh, it's very external. Very little attention is paid to the internal organs. Mm-hmm. And all that muscle and all that going to the extreme is putting more and more stress and pressure and demands on your internal organs. Until you hit a point where the organs simply cannot keep up with the demands that have been put on them and they start to suffer. Mm -hmm. And at that point when your organs just can't maintain 
your your external body and all those demands, we say, you know, I'm getting too old for this. Mm-hmm. I'm getting too old for football. Mm-hmm. Getting too old for whatever I'm doing. Um, Going to have to retire. Mm-hmm. And there is typically no uh, kind of pathway of development after you retire from competitive sport. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, take American football. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna finish. You're gonna burn out. That's the same same for boxing. Yeah. yeah. As a boxer, you will hit a point where you're done for. Right. And there's no playing after that. Yeah. Um, therefore, it's Western sport almost plans to put you on the scrap heap. Right. Halfway through your life, which, if you think about it in those terms, is completely crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, the the old style Asian stuff, um, the kind of Indian stuff, Chinese, mm-hmm. further east, um, views that as silly, and it's all about building you up progressively through your life, mm-hmm. so that you do become that old master who yeah. is astounding, even though you're really aged. Yeah, I think uh, well, my elbow break recently was kind of like a wake up call. Like, yeah. okay, I'm not going to be a peak level athlete in this mm. lifetime mm. i might as well at least train for longevity so that i'm fit later and it's been i didn't realize how much it was going to be a shift of like how i even like lift a single weight or anything yeah. Yeah. um so I, as far as like performance fitness is that ever a focus i mean it's not like i assume you don't ever like really focus on the muscles by themselves or we try not to be because actually, I mean, one thing that drew me to Shaolin was like seeing these documentaries of mm. relatively old monks doing flips and jumping higher yeah. and what yeah. you would expect from a 20-year-old yeah. athlete. Uh, the approach is just slightly different that it is really kind of developing elasticity in the fascia. This mm-hmm. concept of elasticity is really important. Mm-hmm. Because that allows the explosive movements and not carrying too much muscle. Mm-hmm. So if you carry too much muscle, it basically holds you back. Mm-hmm. And um, even if you look at, uh, okay, so gym, some gymnasts are very muscular, but they're not. They're not completely loaded like a bodybuilder. Um, look at competitive boxers. Most of them, they're not carrying excess muscle mm-hmm. because it just tires you out. Yeah. Also, they have weight classes where yeah, strength so, yeah, per pound is so, Yeah. Um, so, e- even in a situation where you have to be very competitive, uh, Building too much muscle is a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if you follow the right practices, then you can still maintain this your physical ability mm-hmm. into old age, and that's 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 what it, what we're trying to promote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually wanted to ask you about this earlier. Let me just make a note. So don't forget anything. Um, well, I'll go. I'll go back to this. Uh, as as you are now, as you're 
know, we're, we're recording something here. So we have to be very, very quiet. Um, I was going to ask you, like, as you are now the, the heir of this, um, of this work, what are you, how, what is next for you in this? Are you looking for like, are you going to promote one of your students? Are you looking for a disciple? Ah, that's a really good point. Um, what I'm looking to do is train up a group of uh, disciples to carry on mm -hmm. after me. And uh, ideally, I'll, I'll train kind of several groups one mm -hmm. after the other. Um, I've been very focused on that the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. um, but I need people that are really kind of dedicated. Mm -hmm. and that, that It's not just the physical knowledge, it's the kind of understanding the philosophy, mm -hmm. understanding the ethos, understanding the culture. Uh, and, you know, if you rely on one person and something goes wrong, right. it, it crashes. Uh, so looking to get a, a group, mm -hmm. group of people and get them working together mm -hmm. and very much with the, the view to transmitting the art in its entirety mm -hmm. and, in a complete form and preparing the people to you know, do the same thing to get ready the next generation mm -hmm. and pass it on. And I really do think it's got a lot to offer a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm really kind of narrowing down who who are the appropriate people. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And your students must know this, right? So is there like oh, yeah, yeah. some sort of maybe competition between them or is, um, are there people gunning to It's interesting. Um, one of the things that I'm really keen to avoid is this feeling of competition because all I want mm -hmm. is people working together. And mm -hmm. um, as humans, we're naturally kind of a bit insecure and jealous. Mm -hmm. and competition arises from insecurity and jealousy mm -hmm. so you know my my job as the master is to make sure we don't get that creeping in because mm -hmm. what I want is a group of people that support each other mm -hmm. um, that are kind of helping each other up rather than maybe holding each other back mm -hmm. um, and you know, I think when people start to realise just how big a responsibility it is, they're not all dead keen to, to take it on. Mm. Um, it is, it's a, it's a heavy responsibility. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so actually this, I didn't realise the hour is almost up, but it's kind of flew by. Uh, so this might be the last topic. Um, yeah. I, you've mentioned Taoism. I didn't know that there was like a overall connection between Taoism and Kung Fu. I mean, is that, that the case? Like they're, are they kind of woven together? I would say yes. Um, there's a lot of philosophy in Chinese Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. And in a way you can say it's the philosophy of China. 
And Chinese philosophy is influenced particularly by uh, three three schools. Mm-hmm. You have Taoism, you have Buddhism. Chinese philosophy. Tom, no. Tom. Chinese philosophy is influenced by three principal schools. Taoism, mm-hmm. Buddhism, Confucianism. Mm-hmm. And you you can't understand Kung Fu without having a basic understanding of these philosophies. Confucianism I mean, as well? Yeah. I, I've always understood that there a lot of Confucian principles are kind of at odds with Taoist principles. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know enough I don't know much about Confucianism. Um, possibly. Although in I mean through the history of China, I mean all three of these have greatly influenced China. Mm-hmm. And there is no doubt that there's a lot of influence of Confucianism on Chinese thinking mm-hmm. and therefore on Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly in terms of how the people relate within a mm-hmm. within the family, within the group, because mm-hmm. the relationships between people was something that is something that is really kind of emphasized in Confucianism. Mm-hmm. So I mean I would suggest that if you try to understand Chinese thinking Mm-hmm. You've got to understand those three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can see their influence in Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. And you might say, here I can see a lot of Taoist influence. Whereas here I can see a lot of Confucian influence. Mm-hmm. And in total, what you have is the philosophy of Kung Fu, the way of Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's a huge amount of Taoist influence in Kung Fu. Hmm. Kung Fu schools tend to be divided into uh, those of kind of Buddhist, the Buddhist side and the Taoist side. Hmm. Shaolin obviously is the Buddhist side, Shaolin being the Buddhist temple, Wudang being the Taoist side. Hmm. Uh, originating from the, the kind of uh, concentration of Taoist hermits around Wudang Mountain. Mm-hmm. Tai Chi is the most famous of the, mm-hmm. those styles. But actually, it's all influenced by Chinese thinking generally, and that has, has all three of them in there. Yeah. I, I, this might be a very un- uninformed comment or question, but uh, this might be my last question as well. But I've noticed in Chinese commercial areas... Yeah. Uh, it seems so anti-Taoist, anti-feng shui in the way that yeah. it's... Uh, I was like, did something get lost? I don't know enough about China or Oh, Taoism, absolutely, but... yeah. yeah. Uh, totally. Um, this is an interesting observation that now we have a great number of Western people becoming really interested in Chinese philosophy, mm-hmm. Chinese practices, Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. Qigong, Kung Fu. And you got a lot of Chinese, like most of the Chinese, doing their absolute best to be as Western as possible. Uh-huh. Yeah, 
and it's all about you know produce, time produce, and, yeah, and that's efficiency. it. Efficiency, uh, and it's worth bearing in mind that in the Cultural Revolution in China, basically, what it was about was eradicating Chinese culture. Really, and uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, under communism, religion was banned. Right. Kung Fu was banned. You could be uh, beheaded for being huh. a Kung Fu teacher. Uh, and everything that China had to do with Chinese culture was boom, mm-hmm. go. And it was absolutely Chairman Mao's little red book, um, you know, the way of communism. And communism now is subsiding. And what we've, what we've got in its place is the race to make money. Yeah, yeah. consumerism, Absolutely. new religion. Yeah. Huh. So it's kind of sad. So don't expect to go to China and see all this culture and philosophy. Right. You've got to dig for it. Yeah. Huh. yeah, well, thank you. This has been an enlightening conversation. Yeah. Where can people find more about your work? Oh, uh, the start point is kungfuretreat.com, uh-huh. our website. Um, but if you search for Namiang Kung Fu, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be straight up there. Oh, it's in a beautiful area in Pai, Thailand. Yeah. So, yeah, awesome. Thank okay, you so much. Very many thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, what, I mean, if you want to drop by and try a little bit of Kung Fu with us, you're very welcome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I think I'm only here till tonight or tomorrow morning, but I, I, mean, I live in Chiang Mai, so I come here often. Oh, so you're yeah. based in Chiang Mai? I'm based in Chiang Mai, yeah. Great. In the yeah. city or? Uh, just yeah. yeah, in the city, just a little bit outside. Yeah. In a, a more which, green area. Which direction? Chiang uh, Khan. It's in the up northwest of Old City. Yeah, a little bit past Maya. Hang on. Northwest. Yeah, a little north of the road towards. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And I'm up in Pi a fair amount. I visit Jen and Trevor. Yeah. yeah, when you're coming down, you know, have a drop in the door. Yeah. Awesome. Good. yeah. Brilliant. I'm really sorry about the kids keep oh, running right. in. Them, so. yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to Rwando.com. Catch me on social media at Rwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.